words, it doesn't come based on an event, but it is a process whereby it becomes part of your everyday living. It becomes part of your life. Christianity is not a marketing plan. It's not something that just happens in a particular part of the season of the year, if you will. It is what we become when we come out of the world. We become Christians. We become Christ, if you will, uh, in the spiritual sense. Uh, for it is our lives uh, that Paul makes it very clear, as he, we recall First, uh, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, being an epistle read among men, we become an example of Christ. We become that, if you will, uh, a, a personification in, a, in the sense of, of how our lives represent who we are and who we belong to, and that is Christ. Uh, and, and so we, we, we look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and we look at the power of the light. We look at the significance of it as it comes, if you will, through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, the reason why I reference the issue about the manger and, and about the, 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 the holiday season is because remember what the angel said. The angel, when, he, when the angel spoke about the coming of Christ, he spoke about the euangelion, the good news, the glad tidings. And now it just becomes a marketing plan. Oh, you know, you, you know the glad tidings and goodwill among men and all this stuff. Christ came to save the soul. He came to save the soul, not to put a Christmas present under your tree. He came to save the soul. And, and so the euangelion, if you will, the, the, the idea of the significance of the good news and the glad tidings is about the gospel. It's about the gospel. It is about the death, burial, and the resurrection of Christ. But it is more, if you will, broader than that because you have to get the, 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 the comprehensive understanding because, if you will, there must be the beginning, and the beginning is that birth. Christ had to come into the world. Galatians chapter 4, verses 1 through 4, helps us to understand that he was born of the woman, born under the law, if you will, in due season, when the time was right, when God decided to send his son, where he would be born, if you will, of a virgin woman. Yes, a virgin woman, Mary. Not, if you will, if you will, already uh, 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 have experienced a relationship with the man, but, but in fact, she was a virgin, and God placed through the Holy Spirit the seed in the womb of the woman and brought forth a man-child, if you will, that was divine in all respects, if you will, and divine uh, uh, into the, uh, to the extent where it is God, Emmanuel, in the flesh. And so we have Christ being born. That is the good news. That is the glad tidings. For if Christ had not been born, that is the beginning of it, there would not have been an opportunity to save our souls. Amen. Amen. The power of the gospel is, is, is beginning with the birth of Christ. The devil tried to prevent his birth. Amen. When he heard, when he knew through Herod that a child would be born, Herod tried to destroy, if you will, the seed that would come into the world who would be Christ, that John the Gospel of John records as being the light in the life of all men would try to destroy uh, 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 his opportunity, his way into the world. And, and you have to understand that that destruction is not something that is, if you will, or uh, originating in the minds of man. This is the devil trying to destroy the Lord. 
trying to keep him from coming into the world, to keep him from saving the souls. We, 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 the, the, the devil smiles when he sees a marketing plan around the gospel. Because he knows that this, if, you, if you place it in, if you will, the context of this emotional high, it will come and it will go. Amen. Just as quickly as the season does. But if you place it in the context of someone, if you will, having their soul saved and having an opportunity to make heaven their home, that's something that lasts, if you will, beyond the season of the holiday. It's something that lasts until the day of death comes. The devil doesn't want us to know that. He doesn't want us to embrace that because that gives you power. That gives you power over his influences. Amen. When you know that heaven is on the other side. And through that process of being a child of the light, a child of God, and if you will, being, if you will, endued with the light of the glorious gospel, being filled with the word of God, he knows that you are building up an armor that will be able to resist him. His influences. That is the power of the gospel. Paul writes to the Corinthian church and he writes to them and he reminds them of some things that that we too need to be reminded of often and consider, if you will, each day of our lives as we continue on this journey. Paul says to them in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Uh, and before I go there, let me let me let me just let me just uh, uh, quickly uh, digress for just one second. I quoted the scripture, I, I, uh, but I want to read it just for a second so that you'll see uh, the uh, uh, the connection here in 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 in, in uh, the Gospel of John, chapter one, as I quoted earlier. I'm going to read down to verse number five so that you can get the connection here. He says, "In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God." Well, the Word is now become is light. The Word is, if you will, the guiding light. It is what keeps man going and filling man with uh, the, the, the knowledge and the wisdom that he needs to resist the wiles, the stratagems, the traps of the devil. The same was in the beginning with God, and all, all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of all men. The devil didn't want the lights to be turned on. The devil likes it dark. Amen. But when Christ came into the world, as he says, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. When Christ came into the world, the lights came on. Amen. And the devil started running. People could see uh, what truth is. Nevertheless, he goes on and says, in him was life and the life was was the light of all men. Verse number five is where I wanted to end. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. I want you to see the power of that. And the darkness comprehended it not. I want you to see that because it's so important for us to understand that no matter what happens in this world, the gospel will prevail. The gospel is going to prevail no matter what happens in this world. Because darkness cannot comprehend the light. Amen. Now, 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 people may choose to live in the light, I mean the darkness, and people may choose to stay in the darkness and and dwell in the darkness, but that is the choice that they will make, but the gospel will prevail. You know why? Because the soul that is seeking to be saved will obey the gospel. And if it's one soul, one soul, That is saved because they chose to obey the gospel. The gospel has prevailed. 
You see, the devil knows that this is a zero-sum game. The devil knows that he doesn't want any soul to be saved. He doesn't want any soul to be saved. Not one. He wants all of us, all God's children, those who strive to live Christian lives especially, to be in hell with him. He knows what his destination is. He knows that there's no question. It is the soul that has an opportunity, our soul that has an opportunity to be saved and to avoid the, the, uh, the penalty of sin, which is death and damnation. In 2 Corinthians 4, Paul writes to the church at Corinth and he says to them, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry. He lets us know that this is the service, this is what we do, this is how we continue to help change the world, through this ministry. And if there's been any time that the world needed to know the power, the light, the strength of the gospel, it's today. People have lost their way when it comes to their faith. They've lost their way, and, they, and, by, and by losing their way, they are now trying to figure out how, how do they find, if you will, uh, the Christ? How do they find the church? How do they find uh, the light that is in the world in order that they may, if you will, come uh, uh, out of the darkness into the marvelous light? They have lost their way, and many people are looking for how to be saved. And there's so many things that are out here in the world that they don't know where to go. They don't know what to do. The church of Corinth was no different. Paul reminded them that while they were uh, children of God, that the challenge of being children of God uh, is a challenge that happens every day. In other words, it's not just once saved, always saved. You have to continue to walk as children of light. Ephesians chapter 5. But in, so, so, so he says, Paul says to the church, this is a ministry. And it's not a ministry of speculation. It's not a ministry of mysticism. It's not a ministry of, of subjective idea of philosophy, but it's a ministry of truth. It has been committed to the apostles for them to share the word of God concerning Christ, his birth, his life of suffering, his eventual death on the cross of Calvary, his burial, and then his resurrection, culminating with his dominion and crowning of glory, giving him the kingdom. As, for, as Acts chapter 1 would help us to understand. This ministry is about sharing with individual the power of the glory of the, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It, it, it's, not, it's, not a, it's not a movie production. 
It's not about people getting emotionally charged, though people may be emotionally affected by the stories of the Bible. But that's not its goal. That's not its purpose. God's word is about affecting the conscience of man, that man may see the difference between truth and error, between sin and righteousness. that they may understand the importance of what it means to transform into the image of Christ. You see, when we look at the idea of this ministry, this ministry takes one and finds one where they are, and then it takes that one that it has found, and it moves them out of the darkness into the marvelous light. And through that process, there are Hittites and Hivites and Girgashites and Canaanites and, 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 and all these other challenges in between that individual making their way out of darkness into the marvelous light. But always understand that it is God who is shining the way to get people out of darkness because their image must change. They they must put off that which is contrary to God, the world of sin, and they must uh, put on that which is in agreement with God, which is the world of righteousness. And these challenges are not easily overcome, and certainly they are impossible to overcome without Christ in our lives. So it was a necessity for Jesus to come. It was, it was an imperative for God, if you will, uh, as, as, as uh, Matthew chapter 1 and 21 through 23 says, Emmanuel, God with us, his name shall be called Jesus. He shall take away the sins of his people. It was imperative that he would be born of a woman, born under the law, that he would be born into this world of humanity. As Philippians chapter 2 says, he thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but took on the form of a man, form of a servant. Why? So that he could suffer as we suffer in this flesh, dealing with all of the challenges and the issues of life itself, becoming able through that experience to empathize with what we are dealing with on a day-to-day basis. Surely, the good news and the glad tidings is just that, that God thought enough about us, loved us enough to send his only begotten son to die for the sins of the world. Not sins that he committed, but sins that we committed. But the light comes into the world. Christ comes into the world and he comes into the world shining forth that bright light into the world as Jesus says, I am the light of the world being lifted up on that cross to draw all men unto him. And by doing so, he now gives everyone the power to be saved. You can be saved. You don't have to stay in darkness. You don't have to, before Christ came, you had to stay, you were, you were lost in darkness. John was the, the forerunner to lay the foundation, but John could not bring you out of the darkness. Lord have mercy. The power wasn't in John to bring you out of the darkness. John was a messenger, a forerunner to lay the foundation of the coming of Christ. John said himself, I wasn't the light. I wasn't, I'm not him. 
Jesus came and he was the one that shined forth so brightly in the light, uh, in the in the in the darkness of sin that he was able to bring people out of the darkness into the marvelous light. In other words, he gave each of us a chance for our souls to be saved. Only Christ. Had the power to do so. Because he is the light. That came from heaven. And surely, Paul helps us to understand the, the ultimate significance of the image that we are striving to become, and that is the image of Christ. He shows us the importance of that because in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, remember he talks about how we have borne certain images. He says, so, shall, so as we have borne the image of the terrestrial, that is the human image, the fleshly image. We have borne the image of humanity. And you have to understand something here. When he says, so shall we have, since we have, or uh, 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 it, it, uh, the, the, the focus of it is that we have borne the image of humanity. If we are bearing the image of something, that means that what you see is not what we, are act, what we actually are. We are bearing the image of something. There's something much more important. There's something much deeper. There's something much more significant than what people see. Our soul is what's important. The image is temporary. So we have borne the image of, this, of the terrestrial. So shall we bear the image of the celestial. There is a transformation that will take place. There is a change that will take place, if you will, that, 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 that brings us into the divine presence of God that will be able to last for eternity. It is that image of Christ. And as Christ shined forth so brightly here upon the face of the earth as the light of the world, So is the expectation of every child of God, one that claims and shares that relevant relationship with God as a Christian, is to shine forth as a child of God, as light. And that's what Ephesians 5 taught us. Ephesians says, walk as children of light, because you represent that image of Christ. As he being the light of the world. We talked about the city being set upon a hill, a candle that should not be hid. All of this process of change because of the power of the light is so significant. Because what it does is it shows that we have a God who is not so far removed from us that he cannot understand our pain. Surely he has shown us that he understands our most important need, and that is to avoid hell <laughs> and to make heaven our home. And surely he shows through this that, 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 that by us focusing on and trusting in him, that one day as we commit ourselves to him and trust in him, have our faith in him, that one day as we continue to live this life of, 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 uh, in the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, deep down in our souls, we know that we'll never be worthy of it. But God sees that by the life that we are striving to live, he can make us worthy. 
Because none of us deserve Christ to die. No one had done anything so good and so perfect that God said, I'm going to send my son to die for them. That's not what he said. In Romans 3 and Romans 5, the Bible is very clear. He says, while we were yet in our sins, Christ died for the ungodly. It wasn't because we were so perfect and we were so good, but it's because God is good. God is perfect and God's love, if you will, if you will, for the love covers a multitude of sins. And surely God showed this by his actions and giving us the best he had of heaven. In the form of his son, the light that came down to shine into the hearts of man. And by shining in our hearts, those who were seeking God and those who reverence him turned toward that light. And we began to walk in it as children of light. No matter the persecution, no matter the ridicule, no matter the uh, disrespect of striving to be the one true church and, and living a life that is a representation of God, no matter any of that, the Bible says that we walk as children of light. All of the prophets who were true prophets, who followed after God, uh, were killed because of their testimony. All of the apostles, save John himself, which the Bible infers that, that you can infer from the scripture that John died of old age, but the others were all killed for the testimony that they had concerning Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something. If you think it's hard and difficult living a Christian life today, just imagine if you were back then it's claiming to be a child of God. The Christians were drawn out into the street, out of their homes, beaten, jailed, many of them stoned and killed because of the testimony of Jesus Christ. But I thank God for him who's able to save our soul. I remember the story of Stephen because Stephen helps us to really appreciate the, 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 the idea of, uh, of what it means to be a martyr for the cause of Christ. And our martyrdom is a lot, it's, it's very much different. We have the freedom of religion. Now, at the moment, we have the freedom of religion. We pray that we can hold on to it, amen. But we do have the freedom of religion. And so we're able to come to worship, and we're able to lift God's name up in praise and, and, and give him the sacrifice of praise, which is the fruit of our lips through prayer and through the singing of song and through the reading of his word, through the preaching of his word. We're able to do this. We're able to do this in the land that has given us the freedom of the Constitution to be able to do this. And that's a wonderful thing. But guess what? That's not all over the world. There's some places where you cannot claim the idea of Christianity. That you will be killed. But even in those countries, there are those who are standing up for the gospel and preaching it, even though they may be jailed for it and even killed because of it. There are those in those countries that refuse to be silenced concerning the truth of the gospel of the glorious Jesus Christ. This light is so powerful. This light is so powerful. And I want to I show you this. Remember, there's only two times where God speaks about the light shining in darkness. Only twice in the entire biblical text. Only twice. One's in the physical and the other's in the spiritual. 
And I mentioned this before, but I'll come back to it because I just, I just gave you, I foreshadowed it, but now we're at the point where I need to bring it up again so you can see this. In the physical was in the book of Genesis. Remember the world was dark. There was no light. And that's why you hear the first words in the physical. You hear God say, let there be light. And the light shined in, it shined in darkness for the first time. Why? Because God allowed, if you will, for what we identify and what has been defined for us as the sun has shined into darkness. Let there be light. Before, there was no light. There would be no reason for God to say, let there be light if there was light. There was darkness. The earth was void. But God said, let there be light. And the only light that shines into, into the darkness of the world, and we're not speaking about the electricity that gives us these artificial lights. We're talking about the light that God created, which is the sunlight, the true light. That's the only light that shines into this world. And be very clear, especially those of you who, who love astronomy and astrologists and you like to look about all the stars and whatever. Let me tell you something. There's only one thing that's given light into this, into this universe and into, if you will, our celestial galaxy, and that is the sun. The moon does not give its light. The moon does not have its own natural light. It reflects the light of the sun. Only the sun has given that physical natural light. That's the first light that shined forth in darkness. And then the second light is Jesus. The spiritual light. Because when Jesus says, I come as a light into the world, he was talking about a spiritual light shining forth into the darkness of sin. Only twice in the Bible do you see that power demonstrated in such a way. The blessing about the second light is, is that even though the first light, as glorious as it is, amen, in the creation, as glorious as sunlight is in its creation, it is still temporal. No matter how many people think that the sun is going to remain shining forever, guess what? One day! The firmaments and everything will be burned up. And then the only thing that will remain will be heaven's glory. The gospel, the spiritual light that came through Christ, if you will, as John chapter 1, 14 and John 1 and 17 says, grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. If you will, we beheld the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That same grace and truth was the life and the light of all men. It was Jesus who shined into darkness. And by him shining into darkness, he gave every soul an opportunity to embrace eternal life. And that light that he gave, is supposed to and will be forever. The word of God is very clear. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but the word of God shall never pass away. The spiritual light of the gospel, no matter which generation is in existence at the time of Christ's coming, somebody will be obeying the gospel. Somebody will be serving the God which is in heaven. Somebody will be representing the church, the church of Christ. Somebody will be identified as a child of the light. Somebody will be here when the Lord comes back, for he must come back and save the church. And somebody's going to be here representing the church. Somebody's going to be here shining forth as a representation of that image of the light in this world. No matter what goes on. Let me tell you something. Things will wax worse and worse. But never did it ever say the light will go out. 
Help me, Lord Jesus. The world may get worse, but the light will keep shining for those who want to find a way out. And someone used to say, oh, the church has gone out of business. I don't know what church that was. It couldn't have been the church of Christ. Because Christ is, the church of Christ will never go out of business. Because the light will forever be shining until Jesus comes back from heaven's glory. And I'm glad that he says, the Thessalonians, Paul writes, when he writes to the church of Thessalonica, he says, look, when, we are, when we're caught up on that day, which they misconstrued the idea of rapture. I don't want to deal with that for this morning. I don't have time. But when we're caught up with Christ on that day, those who remain, contrary to those who have fallen asleep in Christ, amen. And remember the text says that those who have fallen asleep in Christ, uh, if, uh, those who, are, who remain will not, will not hinder or, if you will, uh, uh, keep those who have fallen uh, or not proceed uh, uh, before those who have fallen asleep, for we shall all be caught up together, Right? Jesus is coming back for the church, and it won't be hard. It will not be hard for him to find it because his church will be shining as a light in a world of darkness. In 2 John 5, 1 John 5, rather, in 1 John 5 and verse number 11, you may recall where, where we talked about the, 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 uh, uh, the, the three that beareth record in heaven and, and the three that beareth record uh, on the earth. But uh, uh, I, I just want to drop down because we talked about overcometh, he that overcometh the world. And we talked about overcometh. You can get the, the uh, previous sermons and, and refresh your memories about that. But the idea of overcometh is he that carries away the victory. He that overcometh. When you overcome, you carry away the victory. But First John chapter 5 and verse number 11, as it pertains to our lesson this morning, he says, and this is the record. And I, and I, and I love this. And this is the record. That God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his son. Is in his son. Amen. Not the S-U-N, but the S-O-N. Eternal life is not in the S-U-N. Amen. You may go on the beach and get a tan or get burned up, whichever one applies. But the S-U-N will eventually stop burning. But the S-O-N is eternal. The spiritual light, the spiritual life of man is eternal and is eternal in Christ Jesus. And it will be forever. And every soul, and every soul has an opportunity to embrace that eternal life. Verse number 12 in 1 John 5, verse number 12 says, He that hath the Son hath life. Remember, the life was the light of all men. If you have the Son, you have the light. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. You have belief systems running around talking about, well, we want God, but we don't, we, don't, we don't need Jesus. Well, let me tell you something. If you don't have Jesus, you have nothing. God the Father is a spirit, John, uh, uh, John 4 and 24, is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. God is a spirit. It is Jesus who came in the form of the flesh and suffered for the sins of the world. It is the son who died on Calvary's cross. It is son that thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but chose to put on the form of the flesh. To took on that form to be a servant 
of humanity. It is the son who suffered the, 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 the pressing of a thorn riddled crown where blood came down his brow. It is the son who suffered the whips of the, of the cat of nine tails for us. It is the son who was, if you will, nailed to that tree and hung between the twilight and two worlds. It is the son who did that. But we don't want Jesus. We don't want Jesus. We, we, we just want God. We, and then we want to change all, we want to give God all different kinds of names. But we don't want Jesus. Because, see, if you want Jesus, then you have to go through the pathway that Jesus laid. And people don't want that pathway. We want to take out the middleman. We, we just want to get to God. And Jesus says, uh-uh. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Mm-hmm, that's good. Believe also in me. Because, see, in my Father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I shall come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there ye may be also. And remember the disciple says, well, Lord, how shall we know the way? Jesus says, I am the way. Folk trying to get to God without going through Jesus. Jesus says, I am the way. Why? Because I am the life and the light of all men. And the only way you can have eternal life is to have me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man, you can't get by Jesus. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Any religion that wants to reject the son, I don't care what religion they call it. I don't care what name they give it. If they want to reject the son, that's your first indication you need not to be a part of it. Because if they're trying to get to God without going through Jesus, they ain't going to make it. Can't make it. Impossible. Can't make it. You can't make it. And, 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 and let me tell you something. This is so significant in this, in, in this issue about the power of the light. Because, see, the power of the light, the power of the light of Christ, not only, Lord have mercy, help me, Jesus. The power of the light of Jesus not only helped and, and not only impacted and affected the current time that he dwelt upon the face of the, of the earth as he, uh, if you will, uh, 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 his ministry was only three and some odd years, but, but he was, began to be about 33 years of age in totality, but his ministry was only about three and a half years. And through that process, not only was his ministry the current light that was in the world as he began to unfold that ministry, not only did his ministry help the current world, but his ministry went back and got those who died faithful under the old law. That's how far his light shined. It went back and got faithful Abel in the garden. Help us, Lord Jesus. It went back and got Abel after the garden had fallen. But it went back and got Abel. Because God said to Abel, when he said uh, uh, that Abel in Hebrews chapter 11, that Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. By faith, by faith, Abel offered that. And all those who died faithful under any dispensation where God's law was prevalent, that the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, the blood that he shed on Calvary's cross, went way back and got them. 
Not only did it shine in the current, but it shined all the way back into the past. Not only did it shine in the current and go all the way back in the past, it shines also toward the future. Because the Bible says, whosoever, the door is still open. As long as God has given us the, uh, the opportunity of life each day, we have an opportunity to obey the gospel. The door is still open. Whosoever, believe these sayings of mine and obey them. They too can be saved. Doesn't matter. Until Jesus comes back to receive the glorious church, that's when it's all over. Because once he receives the church and takes it home to glory, no one else will be able to be saved. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Paul said, uh, John rather, said to the church, and I'll end here in verse number 13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. The light that shined in darkness in the spiritual realm continues to shine. And it shines for you. And it shines for me. And it is the power of God that continues to lead us out of this world of darkness. Because this world is darkness. I don't care about the S-U-N up there shining and hot. We're talking about the darkness of sin. And only the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ can bring people out of the darkness of sin. And as long as God has blessed us with the strength to do so, as Paul said, we have this ministry, even as we have obtained mercy I'm so glad that he reminded the Corinthians and reminds us through the Corinthian letter that we're not so good that God, we deserve what God did, but God extended mercy. Thank God for his mercy. Thank God for his mercy. And through that mercy, we faint not. Trials and tribulations come, but hang on in there. Faint not. Faint not. Because on the other end of this, is the opportunity to go home to heaven's glory. But you got to hold on. You, 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 you can't faint in, in, uh, uh, on this journey. You can't faint on this journey. He goes on and says, we've, those of us who have started on this journey, and, 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 and we're back in 2 Corinthians 4, those of us who have started on this journey and, 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 and have embraced the, the, the light of the glorious gospel we have renounced the hidden things, the hidden things of shame, the hidden things of darkness. We, we, we've renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully. But by the manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God, 
we, this, is what, this is what we have done. This is, this is our practice. This is our belief. Everything else that was in secret in the darkness was, 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 was carnal. It was based on the flesh. It was based on the things of disgraceful lasciviousness and, and wickedness and evil and sin. It was shameful. But God says we no longer walk in those ways anymore. We walk as children of light. And we commend ourselves to every man's conscience because let me tell you something. The truth is not just in what you say. The truth is in what you do. That's how you commend yourself to every man's conscience. It's in what you do. Because, and I, I, we said this before, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this point because we've said it before. Go back and get the other tapes, but with the other uh, 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 sermons. But, but when you look at the idea of someone saying one thing and doing another, it comes back from an old wives' fable, old wives' uh, saying, where they say, oh, you do, you do as I say, not as I do. Uh-uh. No, you, if you're going to talk it, you better walk it. And that's, and that's how we have to do it. We have to live this life. We have to live it accordingly. Because if you don't live the way that you claim that you are, then you don't commend anything to any man's conscience. What you do is condemn yourself. You're saying one thing, and you're living another. And that that, that, that causes conflict with the, with, the, with, the, with the conscience of those who are trying to find their way out of darkness. If our gospel be hid, verse number three, is it possible for the power of the gospel to be hid? Sure. It's possible. It's possible because when, when individuals continually reject God and they don't want God in their lives and they don't want, they don't want to change their lives, and they, then they, 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 their, their heart becomes uh, calcified and, and you can, the word of God no longer has any effect on them. But Paul tells us, if you will, in, in, uh, in, in 1 Timothy 4, that this is possible, that your heart becomes cauterized, the mind becomes cauterized. It, it cannot, it's not sensitized to the word of God any longer. Why? Because people reject it and reject it and reject it. Let me tell you something, you better be careful about rejecting the word of God because when you reject it so much and it no longer has any effect on you, guess what? You can no longer be saved. And the gospel is hid. You've become blinded. Is it God's intent that you become blinded? No, that's not what this text means. It means you become blinded because you continually reject God's word. Let me show you an example here, a very practical example. As Romans 15 and 4 says, things that are written aforetime are written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scripture might have hope. We learn about this idea of uh, the uh, one, if you will, becoming so hardened against God, uh, even after God has spoken and God has demonstrated and God has done all kinds of things to get this person to change. And this person sh- uh, did not change. If you go back to Exodus and you go back to Exodus chapter 10, Exodus chapter 11, Exodus chapter 12. You go back to the beginning when Moses went down to Egypt and he went into Pharaoh and he began to tell Pharaoh what God had said. God said, let my people go. And Pharaoh, if you will, thought he was God on the earth. Amen, when you can. And God, Pharaoh said, who is this God that I should obey him? Oops, that's the wrong question. Who is God that I should obey him? Let me tell you something. When God speaks, you better sit down and listen. Yeah, don't be trying to stick out your chest like you got here on your own. Man still, man still has the theory of evolution. He didn't say facts of evolution. He said theories. 
Man's still trying to figure out why we, how we got here. You know why? Because they want to reject God. That question is, look, ask and answer. In the beginning, God created. On the sixth day, he created man. Lord have mercy. And when he created the male, he saw that it was not good for him to be alone. So he created a female. And it wasn't hard for the male to figure out what the female was for. Because it looked good to him. No other creature fit his desire. He was the one that said, there's none among them that is meat for me. But God made the female, and the female was meat for him. And I didn't say M-E-A-T either. (laughs) But he said, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. We know how creation, how God created man. And there are no theories that you have to worry about. There are facts of creation. And the Bible still speaks of them. The question is whether or not man wants to embrace them. Do you want to embrace the truth of the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ? That becomes the same question because people continue to reject God. But if you become to the, if you get to the point where you want to reject the truth of God, the gospel and the facts of the word of God, you can get to the point where your heart becomes hardened. And, 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 and now you put yourself in this crystallized state where when Jesus comes back, he's not going to save your soul in sin. He's not going to save you in sin. John tells us. That we must all be taught of God. But if we reject God's word, he says, where he is, you cannot come if you die in your sin. Where he is, you cannot come. Many people have rejected God's word, and now the word of God has become hidden to them. The gospel has become hidden to them. And he says, it is hid to them that are lost. That's what Paul said to the church of Corinth. The power of the gospel is powerful. It is very powerful. It shines back and it gets those who died faithful under the ministries in the bygone past. And it shines forward into the future, giving everyone an opportunity to obey the gospel. But never, never forget, it is your choice. It is your choice to obey the gospel or not. God is not going to force you to obey the gospel. He's not going to force you to believe the gospel. He presents it to you. And it's your responsibility and it's your opportunity to believe it or not. But then you have to make sure that you're ready to deal with the consequences of the choice that you make. And now that the word of God, the light that shineth forth in darkness has spoken into your heart and told you based on the word of God, not because of some still small voice in the woods that blows in a tree, but because the word of God says so. And God has specifically said to you that, that, that if the gospel is hid, it is hid to them who are lost. If you, if you choose to be lost, then you're going to be lost. Whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. Believe not. Believe not the gospel. 
Believe not the truth of God's word. The God, the God of this world, the God of this world is, a God, is, is, is sin, darkness, that has blinded the mind of them which believe not. As Paul, as Paul would say in Hebrews 11 and 6, but without faith it's impossible to please God, but he that cometh to God must believe, must believe, must believe that he is. And that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Well, what is that reward? Eternal life. Eternal life that is in his son. That is in Christ. The life was in his son, is in his son. It's still in his son. If you want eternal life. He goes on and says that. Since the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. He is speaking about Christ. To shine forth in your heart. That's why we don't preach philosophy. We don't don't preach mysticism. We We don't preach poems. We preach the gospel. People need to see who Christ is. They need to see who died on Calvary's cross. They need to know why he died. They need to know the power of his death. Now, our scripture reading ended at verse number four. But as I do my close, I'm going to speak to verses five and six. In verse number five, he says, for we preach not ourselves. That, that, that should be very powerful. Because, see, this ain't about, this, is not, this, this isn't about who's in the, who is in the pulpit. It's about what's being said. People start following after individuals as opposed to following after God. And when you start following after individuals, remember what happens with that. If the blind lead the blind, both are going to fall into the ditch. God never said follow any individual blindly. As a matter of fact, he spoke directly against that. You've got to know the truth. You've got to know it. You've got to know it for yourself. Because if the man in the pulpit falls, your faith should still hold on to God. You've got to know it for yourself. Amen. Jesus told the disciples, the the Jewish disciples who were trying to find their way, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The word of God is not about ourselves, but it's about Jesus Christ, about Christ Jesus the Lord. And ourselves are just servants for Jesus' sake. We're all servants. And we're servants for Jesus' sake. For what purpose? To what end? And here we go as we close. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts. For what purpose? To give the light, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. This is the power of the light. And it is never ending because Christ says, I am the Alpha 
and the Omega. I'm the first and the last. I'm he that was dead, but now I'm alive forevermore. The light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ will forever shine in the world as long as there's a human being on the face of the earth. Whether or not the truth, not, whether or not that individual that, or people decide to obey the gospel, it's completely up to them. But understand this, until the end of time comes, when God sends Jesus back from his right hand, the gospel will be here to save somebody's soul. Because that is the power of the light. And it is in the everlasting existence of Jesus Christ. They thought, the devil thought, the devil thought that by trying to, uh, 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 by him going to the cross, that, that, uh, that he defeated Christ. The devil thought he had done something. Amen. You see, a lot of people think that the devil is, uh, is all-knowing and all-powerful and, and uh, all of this. Let me tell you something. The devil is not equal to God. I don't know. I don't know where y'all got that from. I, I don't. I don't know what teaching y'all got that. The devil is not uh, uh, equal to God at all. Amen. You remember Job? If you didn't get anything from the book of Job, remember the devil came among the sons of men to stand before God. Amen. And 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 the devil was the one. Amen. Uh, that had to answer some questions. Lord have mercy. God was the one who says, "Well, wherefore cometh thou?" Right. The devil says, oh, walking to and fro in the face of the earth. And, and God comes back and says, I know where you've been. Have you considered my servant Joe? Well, he, you got a hedge around. I know where you've been. I know what you're doing. That's the all-powerful God. The devil's not stronger than God. Amen. You playing on the devil team, you playing on a losing team. Amen. That's like the Dodgers. And, let me leave that alone. You'll be playing on a losing team. Jesus said you got to carry away the victory. And the only way you can carry away the victory is through his son. Why? Because Jesus says he already has the victory. The devil already lost his thing. The question is whose team are you going to play on? Amen. If you play on the devil's team, you sure enough going to lose. But Jesus says he is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And no man cometh unto the Father but by him. I want to play on the winning team. When it comes to spiritual salvation, I want to be on Jesus' team. Amen. Because I want to, I want, I, I, I desire eternal life. Amen. I desire eternal life. And every time I stumble and fall, I, I remember that God is gracious and kind and he has mercy. And I go to him and ask him, for, Lord, give, forgive me. Amen. Because I'm not perfect. If I was perfect, I'd be Jesus. Amen. I'm not Jesus. I'm not Moses either. Amen. I'm like Moses, though, because, see, Moses failed, too. Amen. Man is fallible, but Jesus is perfect. And so I'm going to strive to be like him. Amen. Thank God for the road that he has placed before us, the way that leadeth to heaven's glory. He is the way that leadeth to heaven's glory. But as our journey has and we go forward, we know that there are going to be Canaanites. We know there's going to be Hivites and Jebusites, amen. They're going to be, they're going to, they're going to be Gergesites. There are going to be some problems on this way, challenges on this way, mountains to climb, obstacles to go through. But stay on the journey because at the end of it is heaven's glory and it's eternal life. And that life will fade not away. I pray this morning that you've heard the gospel of the glorious, the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. 
and that you're willing and ready to obey it. Romans 10 and 17 says, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Hebrews 11 and 6 says, but without faith it's impossible to please God, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. The Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, Matthew 6 and 33. All these things shall be added unto you. Your concern is not about what the world has. Your concern is about what God is ready to give you. The Bible says we repent of our sins. Luke 13, 3 and 5 says, I tell you, nay, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Acts 17 and 30, God commanded every man everywhere to repent. Everybody has to go the same way. Everybody has to go the same way and has to come to God the same way. 2 Peter 3, 8 and 9, God said that he, one day with God is like a thousand years and is, is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like one day, but he wishes none to perish, but that all should come unto repentance. And God's not slack, slack concerning his promises, and some men count slackness. If you come to God, he's going to bless you. He's going to bless you. You have to live faithful unto death. Revelations 2 and 10. You got to be faithful unto death. But as long as you're doing what God say do, God's going to bless you. He's going to keep his promise. He's going to keep his promise. Confessing Jesus Christ to be the Son of God. Romans 10 and 9, with the mouth we confess Christ Jesus. Romans 10 and 10, with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. With the mouth confession is made unto salvation. We go down in the watery grave of baptism. The water is ready. The water is ready. And it's not the putting away of the filth of the flesh either. But it's an answer of a good conscience toward God. Obey the gospel. Go down to the watery grave of baptism. Let the blood of Christ, Ephesians 1 and 7, we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. We're washed by the water, by the blood of Jesus Christ. It's time for you to come and obey the gospel. Be baptized. In Acts 2, 47, Acts 2, 37, when they asked Peter, men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter said, repent, be baptized. Every one of you, for what? For the remission of sin. Acts 2, 47 said, God added to the church daily those that are being saved as such as should be saved. They were the ones that were being baptized. Mark 16, 15 and 16 says, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Why don't you come right now as we stand and sing the invitation?